Welcome to the Strategic Boardroom, insights from thought leaders, where we speak to experts in organizational leadership, human capital management, and business strategy. We hope you enjoy this episode brought to you by Bullseye Engagement, a leading provider of cloud-based employee development and strategic business software solutions. Good morning. Good morning. Jennifer, how's everyone? First of all, uh, tell us about the grandbaby. Oh, yeah, we went to California last week and saw our new grandson. So he's a cutie and uh, he was um, he was almost 10 pounds when he was born. So that was kind of a shock to us all. Wow. Big yeah. baby. Yeah. yeah. So that was exciting. And um, but it's, it's a strange time to be having a baby in the time of COVID. So wow. But they're all doing well. Thank you. A lot of new norms. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're looking for a lot of insights from you and thank you for, for for joining us this morning absolutely all right well we'll go ahead and get started then hello and welcome to today's roundtable i'm kayleen manager of customer communications and marketing at bullseye engagement and joining me also from the bullseye team are our chairman and ceo adil as well as raquel vp of client services and success and this morning, we are very excited to have Dr. Jennifer Bonilla with us as our guest. She holds a PhD from Iowa State University of Science and Technology with research in the area of clinician burnout, employee engagement, and turnover intention. She is also a SHRM Senior Certified Professional, as well as a Board Certified Fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. She has 25 years leadership experience in a diverse set of industry sectors, including healthcare and education. Some of her notable roles include CEO for ISS Facility Services North America and Division Healthcare President of Sodexo, just to name a few. So thank you for joining us today, Dr. Bonilla. Hope you are doing well this morning and why don't we just get started with the discussion? Thank you, Kayleen. Mm -hmm. I'm glad to be here. So let's start by asking what exactly are the components of employee engagement and maybe what are some best practices of organizational facilitators in delivering an exceptional employee experience? Sure, I think that's a really important question right now as we think about the uh, world that most employees are operating in away from the workplace and really thinking about how their employee experience has changed during this very strange time for everybody. So employee engagement is made up of a number of different factors, but I think one of the most critical factors is the culture of an organization. So culture really stems from the brand that the company is trying to achieve, and it's really communicated to employees in terms of the mission, the vision, the values an organization uh, lays out for the company. And I think today, because there are a lot of millennials in the workforce, and in fact, uh, by 2030, we're going to see the majority of employees in the workforce will be millennials. Uh, many of them are very purpose-driven. So they look for companies that are very focused on having the right kind of culture. Companies that have an, a very important purpose are very mission-driven and so on. So I think not only do employees today, regardless of what generation they come from, they tend to gravitate toward companies that have a mission that they feel aligned with, uh, a mission that they feel is important to their own personal beliefs. So that's more important than ever in terms of having that kind of mission that your employees feel strongly about. And uh, that really drives employee engagement. 
There are some other factors as well that I think um, are critical, and that is the kind of leadership in the company. People want to work for leaders that inspire them. They want to work for leaders that they uh, respect and identify with. And so having leaders that really live the value of the company and demonstrate the culture and uh, really you know, live the values that the company espouses um, is incredibly important. Another really important element, and this probably could never be more important than during the time of COVID when people are working remotely, is communication. Employee communication is vitally important. It happens in many different ways, and now much of it is done through remote technology. And so how a company develops its communication strategy and the kind of communication practices that it has are really important to employees, and employees think about that as they uh, shop for an employer. They think about it often as they live within a, a company as to whether that communication strategy really meets their needs. And then some of the important programs that a company has, I think, makes a big difference in terms of the level of engagement employees will have. And that's around things like rewards and recognition and people development. Now, it's interesting. A lot of people erroneously believe that employees choose companies primarily based on compensation. But many studies have been done um, over the last few decades and have demonstrated that actually compensation is about number five on the wish list of employees in terms of things they look for. And so the other factors that I've already mentioned in terms of culture and leadership and communication and the mission and vision and values, all those factors are far more important along with who those employees will work with, who are their peers, who are the teams they work with, and do they have meaningful work? So those are the, some of the things that I think are really important. The other piece I'd mention in terms of sort of providing a more of an introduction to employee engagement is there's really three different statuses of engagement that employees have when they work for a company. You can have an engaged employee, an employee that is not engaged, and you can have a disengaged employee. And interestingly enough, majority of employees fall into that sort of middle category as being not engaged. So this is really important because companies that have high levels of engaged employees have better business outcomes. They perform better. And so you want to really strive toward having a high number of employees in that, that top echelon where they're actually engaged. Today across the U.S., about 40% of employees are classified as engaged, around 47% in the middle category of not being engaged, they're sort of neutral, and about 13% of employees are actually disengaged, and so they actually are more of your dissident workforce. They're actually working against you. They might be there for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the compensation and benefits, or maybe it's because they know certain people in the company or it's close to home to drive to, but they're not really behind the mission of the company. And so it's really important as a corporation to figure out what's the right recipe to get the highest percentage of employees into that engaged category so they're really delivering. Some of the practices that I think help do that, again, are how you really operate on a given day. And it's about how you're communicating to your workforce. Are you providing meaningful assignments? Ongoing, do they understand? Are you sharing how employees' work connects with the broader mission of the company? So they feel that ongoing connection and they really want to be a part of things. In terms of your workplace practices, uh, your recruitment strategies, are you bringing in people to the company that, that sort of your current workforce thinks really adds value and is aligned with your mission, vision, and values? What kind of advancement strategy do you have? 
Do you have a promote from within approach where people really feel like they have a lot of opportunity? Or do you mostly hire external people where they feel like they have sort of a dead-ended career if they come to the company? And then finally, there's a lot more focus now around things like inclusiveness. If you come to the company, can you really be your authentic self? You know, do you have to change to kind of fit in with the company or do they allow you to demonstrate who you really are and you're very comfortable doing that? The environments where you have, you know, these kinds of attributes are really important. And often you'll see lists each year of, of what are considered the best employers in the country. And they do these things really well. And employees that work at these companies won't cross the street to go work somewhere else for, you know, $5,000 a year more or a better title or that kind of thing, because they feel so part of the organization and they truly are engaged. They're behind what the company is doing and want to stay there for a really long time. Great. Thank you. Excellent points there. And I know you touched on this a little bit, but why is it important for organizations to continue to sustain positive employee experience despite the current economic conditions? Sure. Um, that's a really great question, Kayleen. First of all, you know, companies are obviously under intense financial pressure, depending upon what industry they're in. Some companies are really struggling in terms of preserving their top line revenue growth, but also being able to deliver the bottom line, being able to manage their cost structure when they're seeing such pressure in terms of revenue growth based on the business model that they have. You know, in normal times, it's a lot easier to stay on track with the programs that you have. And it's easy for companies when they get into difficulty to start wanting to cost cut and look at things that they think are dispensable that are not that valuable to the company and that they can sort of do away with. But I think it's really important right now that companies think about how important their employee engagement strategy and how important their employees are to their broader value proposition. Because I think employees right now, while they can't really jump ship in most cases, they're afraid to, or there aren't an opportunity, isn't it an opportunity where they can go work somewhere else? I think they're watching closely right now in terms of how their companies are responding to COVID. So how have they handled things like layoffs or furloughs? And not that, you know, they don't, aren't doing those things, but there's certain ways you can do them to demonstrate greater sensitivity to your employees to demonstrate greater empathy to your employees that show you're the kind of company that they want to work for, even if they have to make some tough decisions. So employees want to know that employers are doing the right thing, even under the most difficult circumstances. And that means that they're being sensitive, that they are continuing to make good choices around investments. But probably most important is they just want honest, transparent communication. And so, you know, I think employees can appreciate being told some bad news if their employees are just being direct with them uh, and appreciate and value that. But companies that demonstrate these kind of behaviors right now, I think will do well for the long term, because if you're true to your values, you don't stray because you're looking at your quarterly results and, and think, you know what, I'm going to pull back on these employee investments. And those companies are enduring. They're the companies that are on those best-in-class employer lists year after year because they don't make short-term decisions. They want to continue to invest in their people no matter what's happening in that marketplace. And they really deliver sustainable value to their shareholders because of that approach. Jennifer, you know, as, as we talk about positive employee experience and uh, communication and frequent communication, how do you see the features of check-in to have touch points 
And especially now that majority of the workforce is, uh, I mean, we're all working from home today. I mean, we're, we're all connecting with you from our homes and starting February, March, all of our team members have been at home. So if you can just shed a little bit light on the check-ins that as we have them in, you know, in our portal. Sure. That's a great question, Adil. I think companies that have the capability of having easy software tools at their disposal, like Bullseye, where they can connect with employees on a frequent basis is important. And again, employees like to connect in different ways. Sometimes I think I know so many people that are having 11 and 12 conference calls a day right now and they they live on Zoom. So I think having some flexible means of communicating, not necessarily always calling people or having one more Zoom meeting, having the ability to do some electronic communication can be really helpful because then they can sort of manage their heavy workload, but they can also stay in touch with their organization, whether that's their boss or a peer through that check-in process. So I think that's a great example of a tool that can be really beneficial to make an employee feel a part of the organization and also voice any concerns or questions they might have during that time through that mechanism. Thank you. All right, so obviously communication is important, but what role does employee development play in this big picture? So in employee engagement and the overall employee experience? You know, Kayleen, I think people used to come to the workforce years ago where they, maybe they'd finished their college degree and they came in to a job and they kind of thought that their training was done. But now the world is changing so quickly and the technologies are changing so quickly that you have to be a lifelong learner. You have to be really focused yourself on continuous improvement if you want to be able to advance in your career. And so now, you know, employees have a lot of expectation around that is how will my company continue to invest in me and develop me not only in my current role, but to get me ready for my next role so I can advance. Again, millennials have an expectation of typically wanting to advance quite quickly and maybe not take all the steps that we might have taken in our careers where we had to be five or 10 years in a role before we could get promoted. That's changed pretty significantly. So it's interesting uh, when you come to a company, in many cases, you might have a contract or an offer letter that says what the company is going to do for you. But there's a lot of things that are not written in terms of what a company expects from their employee and what an employee expects from their company. And that's really, you know, it's not explicit, it's implied, it's an implicit contract. Some of the work that I did in my research, I really looked at that implicit contract around what do employees expect? and psychological contract theory. So if you believe in your mind that somebody owes you something, like your employer, you're going to come from that vantage all the time. And if you feel like that employer has not come through for you with that, that's going to create a sense of either cause you to not be engaged or even be disengaged. So employee development is incredibly important to be able to demonstrate to employees that you care about them, you're investing in them, And that psychological contract fulfillment is really important. There's been a lot of research done that shows if you fulfill the psychological contract for your employee, they are far more likely to be engaged. There's a direct correlation with engagement 
And there's an inverse relationship to turnover and burnout. So you develop them, you fulfill them. They're much less likely to leave your company or to be burned out because they feel like you're not investing in them. So that's kind of the premise that people have when they come to the workforce. But today, again, in the COVID world, employees feel like they're really going the extra mile. Many employees are working from home. And interestingly enough, even though they're not directly supervised at home, I hear constantly and I've read many articles about employees that feel like they're they're actually working far more hours than they ever were before. There's sort of a blurring where it's hard to step away from your home office. So in essence, you may be working five or 10 more hours per week than you ever did when you were in the office. So that's kind of replaced your commute time. So you're giving a lot more to your company. And in many cases, employees want to. They want to see their companies not only survive, but thrive uh, during the pandemic. So in return, they want to make sure that companies are really stepping up and providing that sense of development to them. And the good news is I think companies have a lot of opportunity here. Before we had the pandemic, people traveled really extensively. There was a lot of money spent on T&E, um, conferences, and those kinds of things. But again, typically, that's not the best bang for your buck in terms of developing your people. If you can really make sure that you have a commitment from the top of the organization around employee development, and then make sure that you provide that level of support to your managers in terms of how they provide custom development plans for their people. You can really have very effective development for your employees that is not significant in terms of cost. So now you can spend more money on some custom development plans. You can put some mentoring plans in place that are predominantly done in-house. You can invest in technology and software that can help you with a lot of those programs that can be really impactful and actually be spending less uh, money and employees will really feel like they're really getting some great result from that. But typically doing things like stretch assignments with employees where they can take on some other projects or encouraging lateral moves for employees where they can get some cross-functional experience or a staff role, for example, again, can be much more impactful in terms of their advancement and development than sending them to an expensive conference. So that's the good news in terms of how we shift our thinking around developing people and then how it can have a positive link with engagement. Jennifer, then another follow-up question and you know, your answers are so well thought out and sure that our audience will really, really get a lot of insights. So thank you for that answer. I had a brainstorming session with the Fortune 100 company on the West Coast without naming the name. And when it comes to employee development, after that session, uh, we ended up adding a feature in our portal where employees can communicate directly without any filters with their mentors and coaches. And you just mentioned mentoring, and that's what triggered this, <laughs> this thought. So what do you propose or what is your advice to companies to have either formal or informal mentors for all their team members where they have another avenue? other than their direct manager to go out and express their either concerns or fears or things that they cannot or they don't feel easy discussing with their direct managers. Sure. And, and what sure. role that plays in forward-looking companies to have that kind of environment and culture? 
Yeah, I think that's really important, Adil. You know, in some cases, you can have an amazingly supportive boss and someone that you feel very comfortable talking to, but that doesn't exist for everybody. And you can gain so much through your mentoring relationships. I've worked for some very large companies and had an opportunity to not only build formal mentoring programs, but actually run them. I've been a mentor. I've been a mentee over the years. And so being in those different roles, you gain some insight in terms of what works and what doesn't work. And, you know, I think a lot of times the formal mentor programs are set up with the best of intention. So companies want to be doing the right things. And they think, you know, if they provide these formal relationships that they'll get some great results. A lot of times though, they might set up kind of an unnatural uh, relationship with how they pair people and it may not work. There may not be the chemistry necessary for it to be really effective. So in many cases, I think the informal mentoring relationships, if you can access them as early or mid-career manager can be really powerful. The one other piece is it's really hard to sustain the formal programs. People all sort of jump into those, whether you're a mentor or a mentee, with a lot of enthusiasm originally, but in many cases after the first meeting or two, they're hard to sustain. People don't keep up with it, the business gets in the way and so on. So I think if you can have some of the informal mentoring relationships that may not require specific tasks or specific timeframes as to when you reach out to people that can be more effective and certainly having a mechanism where you can reach out either electronically or through telephone or video to informal mentors when you're coming across issues that you're struggling with in terms of how to deal with the situation. And many of those are related to how you're handling a, a potential conflict in the business, whether you're working with a peer or you're, you're dealing with a customer and being able to reach out to that informal mentor that will not threaten you, where you can ask a question and not feel like, oh, is that a dumb question? Will somebody think I'm not ready for the next step? or not doing my job well today because I'm asking this question. Those are tremendous opportunities for learning. And I think it's one more way that a company can demonstrate, look, we're providing you a terrific tool to make sure you can be successful in your job and make sure you have a great support network around you because we think so highly of you and because we want to invest in you as an employee. Great, great. I mean, we we learned a lot and thanks to that conversation because this organization has paid in 2018-2019 over $150 million in settling sexual harassment lawsuits. And we provided, uh, I'm coming back to the check-in where employees now, if company allows, if the leadership allows, employees have access directly to their uh, matrix managers, their mentors and coaches, their HR team partners or HR partners to go and express their concerns or have suggestions in addition to their direct supervisor. And I found out much later that they have adopted the very similar approach in 2020. So we're very happy to hear that. But thanks for that additional comment on that. Uh, Raquel, any comments or follow-up on this very important question that Kelly asked? Yeah, so I just wanted to ask Jennifer, thanks Adil, what would you recommend HR leaders, you know, during the COVID times, a lot of organizations cut different programs, right? Stuff in HR seems to get cut a lot. And so if an HR leader sees that there's, you know, a software technology that could really help facilitate the engagement or check-in or training and development, what would you recommend for these HR leaders to show their CEO or their CFO, this is the value, this is the ROI during these economic conditions? 
Sure. Well, you know, I've had great HR partners throughout my career. And the, the one piece of advice I've always given them is if, you know, you have an initiative that you think is really important for the company, first of all, make sure it lines up against the broader strategic goals of the company, the strategic plan. Because right now, it's not just about the dollars. Right now, people are, in many cases, very much overworked. And I know um, as a CEO, in terms of introducing one more project or task force to employees, you know, during times when they feel overwhelmed already, it can really, you know, not be perceived very well because they, you know, they really want to be focused on the critical things. So with each initiative you're doing, so if you're bringing forth an HR initiative, I think it's vitally important to demonstrate how it fits with the broader goals of the company. How is it going to help the company achieve its objectives. And in many cases, employees might be receiving bonuses. So if you can tie it into what their performance goals are as well, and their own personal compensation, you're obviously going to get people very much behind it. They're going to be highly motivated to deliver on that. But demonstrating the ROI is very important. So I'm always looking for, if I'm making an investment for the company, uh, what kind of return can I get for the company? And there's hard dollar return and there's soft dollar return. Obviously, hard dollar return, if I can demonstrate through an HR initiative, I'm going to increase my level of employee engagement. I'm going to reduce my turnover. I'm going to shorten my time to fill on critical roles when I'm recruiting. You want to think about whatever those core metrics are that you're trying to achieve, whether they're HR metrics or broader company metrics. You know, what does it deliver for the bottom line or how does it help the company grow? If you can be very hard hitting in terms of demonstrating that value, really important. The one other piece is even after the initial proposal and you get it accepted, how do you manage that project going forward? You want to make sure that you have developed KPIs and you looked at other benchmarks across the industry. So other companies that have done those kind of initiatives, what kinds of savings are they generating or what kind of other results are they delivering for people? And then show on a regular basis through whatever your reporting cadence is, how you're delivering on that. If you can show that every month or every quarter, it's really important because then when the investment comes up again, if the company is considering renewing that software or you know, continuing that investment for another year at budget time, you will already have done all of that in terms of presenting the data that demonstrates it's a very powerful initiative that is supporting the company's goals and it'll be a bit of a slam dunk. Otherwise, you might struggle and you might lose that funding in a subsequent year. So those are some things to think about, I think, as an HR leader that can make a big difference. Thank and you course, very much, Jennifer. Yeah. Thanks, Raquel, for that question. And another question comes up from the data and the relevance of real-time data for the leadership positions you have been in. And how important is it for leaders to have real-time data to make data-driven decisions on a day-to-day basis? instead of looking in the rear view mirror. And in the light of what we have created with our leadership dashboards, so I thought i ask a quick question. Sorry, Kayleen, I've added a couple of follow-up questions as they come to mind. All good, all good. <laughs> you know, Adil, whether I've worked for mid-sized companies or, or even Fortune 500 companies, it's interesting is you have this expectation as a leader that you're gonna have data at your fingertips, and that's rarely the case. Either the data is not, you know, up to date or as accessible as you thought, or it may not drill down deep enough to get you the key information you need to make the decisions that are so important. And I was super excited when I initially shown the Bullseye software because of the dashboards and the data that's accessible where you can easily customize it. It's sort of calculating behind the scenes on an ongoing basis. So 
at any given point in time, you can see where you stand. Incredibly important. Today, leaders are expected to be data-driven. They're expected to make fact-based decisions. And when you can support your decisions with that kind of granular data on an ongoing basis, it makes it much easier to run the business. It makes it much easier even to manage your vendors, for example, if you have vendors that are handling certain functions to know they're performing. So it's really important. It also saves a tremendous amount of time so you don't have delays in projects and get projects behind schedule because you don't have the critical information that you need to run the business. Thank you.